Open your Bible, please, to James chapter 4, James chapter 4. When Lori and I moved to a little country town just south of our church, a little town of 2,800, I had a burden for the city in which we lived, and so I reached out to the newspaper publisher in that town, and I asked them if I could write an article for their town newspaper. And he looked at me like many of you are looking at me, like, uh, who are you to be writing an article? And, and I said, I'm a preacher, but I don't have a church in town, and so I'd like to minister to the unchurched in my town by writing an article. And though I'm a Baptist preacher, I will not use the newspaper to advance the Baptist church or the Baptist denomination, but I'll write something that will... Uh, be an encouragement for any and all that believe in God. And, and so for you as an audience here tonight, it would be more of a, a devotional. It wasn't a lot of doctrine per se, church doctrine, but more pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ in everyday life. And so after it was well received in the community, I titled the article, Parson to Person. And so if you'll notice my car on your parking lot in the widest space that you have on your parking lot, since I was here first, I put it in that spot so that you wouldn't ding my doors. You will notice on my license plates, Parson. And that's how I promoted the article in that town, Parson to Person. I took it a step further. I felt like if I'm going to make an impact in the city, especially in a small town like that, I need to meet the other preachers in town. And so I proceeded to make an appointment to visit all the preachers in town. And, and I witnessed every one of them. After I got to know them a little bit, I asked every single one of them, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? And you know, I heard some of the most incredible testimonies I've ever heard anywhere. And all but one preacher could not give me a clear-cut testimony of putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I was kind. I was polite. I wasn't argumentative. I did state to them, well, that's where we are a little different. And so I let it go at that. But I found that most clergymen are, are really interested in the well-being of people. They're trained by their predecessors, their professors, their teachers. They're taught doctrine that excludes faith in Jesus Christ alone. They're doing the best they can. I'm reminded of three clergymen that went golfing together, a rabbi, a, a priest, a Catholic priest, and a Baptist. And Baptists are obviously known for being rather direct and somewhat blunt. It's not that we're unkind or mean-spirited for the most part. We just have an answer, and we speak the truth. Let's take care of it. And so here's three clergymen out golfing, and they're enjoying one another company. And, of course, uh, a little competitive. Preachers can be competitive on the golf course. And they were stuck behind a foursome that were moving extremely slow. So when the golf marshal drove by... He said, hey, how are you guys doing? Fine, doing great, enjoying God's creation out here. And, 
And, and one said, but you know that foursome in front of us, they're playing extremely slow and we wave at them trying to get their attention so that we can play through. And the marshal said, yeah, you're just going to have to bear with them. Uh, they're blind. They're, they're firemen that saved the country club from burning down, but all four of them lost their sight in the fire. So we've told them that they can golf for free anytime that they want. And so the Catholic priest, feeling bad about the feelings he had towards the slow force of in front of him, said, well, you know, I'm going to say a prayer for them right here. The Jewish rabbi said, you know, I'm going to talk to my ophthalmologist friends to see if they can help them out. And the Baptist preacher, just being practical and direct, said, hey, is there any reason why they can't play at night? If I offend you tonight with a joke, okay, you can be offended. But if I offend you with the Word of God, would you at least rethink it through and see if God would like to help shape you to be more like Him? I have learned that people that usually don't like golf, they stink at it. If I ask someone, do you like to golf? They know that's a stupid game. You know what that tells me? They stink at golf. And quite frankly, I don't want to golf with them either. I'd rather golf behind four blind men than golf with someone that's lousy at golf. And you know, I have found that to be true in the spiritual exercise of prayer. There are are many in this room that have found that prayer can do anything God can do. And that's why they carve time out of their busy schedules. It's not that they don't have anything else to do. They know that if they can get the ear of God, we're going to see something take place that you and I are incapable of getting done on our own. And then there's there's others in this room that would agree that prayer is important. But the truth of the matter is, you don't pray. And usually when someone says, hey, do you pray? And you say, yes, I've been praying for that. What that usually means is they thought about it. They haven't really taken time to pray it through. And I have found that the reason why many that don't pray, and if you'll forgive the cliche, it's because they stink at it. Or rather, they feel like they're no good at it. Meaning, they've prayed before and God didn't answer their prayer. And so they feel like, why bother? God doesn't hear me. My prayers just bounce off the ceiling. They never leave the room. Let me encourage you. God's down here under the ceiling too. He can hear your prayers. And so tonight, what I want to do is I want to go back to basics about praying. 
And many of you are going to say, well, this is so elementary. But I have learned, and I am a prayer warrior. I am a veteran at praying. I have learned sometimes going back to basics is actually refreshing. And it helps me get centered once again and get down to the nitty-gritty. Because truth be known, we want to pray according to God's will. And sometimes we don't know, and that's why we're praying. God, lead me. I need help. I don't know exactly what to do. But I do know you know what I should do. And so lead me, help me, reveal your will to me. And I would encourage you, after you pray like that, get in God's word. Because that's where God will speak to you. It won't be just a feeling. It will be through his word. That's how he speaks to us. Everything you need to know in life, God answers in that book. That's why he's preserved it for you and for me. So that we won't be aimlessly wandering throughout this life. We can know specifically exactly what God would have us do at this particular junction of life. Now, James chapter 4, you're there, and you know the passage I'm going to read. So let's stand together if you're able, and let's read a selected portion of Scripture, and then we're going to zero in on a particular verse. Commence in verse number 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust, or ye desire, and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And I want to draw your attention to the first nine words of verse number two. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss. Tonight I want to teach, preach a little bit, and you'll know the difference. Teach, I'll talk to you. Preach, I'll yell at you. And I hope both will be well received. Tonight I want to teach, preach a little bit, seven things you should ask God for. Otherwise, these seven things are God's will. You don't have to guess whether or not if it's His will. 
It's in his book. It's in his word. You can have bold confidence tonight. And for many of you, it might be entry-level praying. It might help you to get started in praying. And God will answer your prayers. And when you see those prayers answered, it's going to give you more confidence to pray more. And you will enjoy what it is to be able to have the ear of God and see answered prayers. And for those of us that would say we are faithful prayers, sometimes we forget the basics that are just as important as the miracles that we're praying for. And so tonight I hope it'll be a blessing to this good church. Father, we thank you again for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the salvation that we have in him. Would you be so kind to meet with us tonight and stir up our hearts Teach us, refresh our minds and our hearts with your word tonight and help us, oh God, to develop a prayer life that would be like so many in the word that you've recorded, for, like Elijah calling fire down from heaven, Moses parting the Red Sea. God, those men just simply were obedient to you. Help us, help us, oh God, to develop our prayer life. As the disciples of old cried out, teach us to pray. And for that soul that is a heartbeat from a devil's hell tonight, I pray that they would pray to be saved tonight. Like the two that did this morning and one earlier this week. God, we just thank you for the souls that were saved. Use us for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let me give you seven things. If you're writing them down, write fast. Number one, we should pray for fire in our soul. Vance Havner used to say, too many services start at 11 o'clock sharp and end at 12 o'clock dull. The church of the living God should be alive. The church of the living God should be on fire. In Revelation chapter 3, God says to the church, I'd rather you be on fire or I would rather you be ice cold. What makes God sick is people in the church of the living God that is trying to be on fire one day and living in the world the next. God calls that lukewarm Christianity. You know what we call it? Living two lives. Otherwise, you're living for God here, you're living for the devil here, or for the world here. You mix the two together, and you have a lukewarm Christianity. God hates that. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But if you're on fire for the Lord, it's going to be revealed in your life. You're going to have a passion for his word. You're going to have a passion for souls to be saved. You may not lead a hundred people to Christ, but when two get saved in church, that's going to bless your soul because your heart's on fire and you know that's what God wants. He wants to reach the world. Yet at the same time, you will do your best to win souls to Jesus Christ. Thank God. Back in the day, the Chicago Bulls had Michael Jordan. 
But you know, they couldn't win a championship until they played together as a team. And folks, we are a team. You're going to have a Michael Jordan or two in the church that seemingly win more souls than other people. And rather than condemning them and criticizing them, which I've seen in my own church, well, he just, he just wins souls all the time. He thinks he's so good. He doesn't think he's so good. He doesn't even know that you think that he thinks he's so good. He just loves God. And he talks to people all the time. You know, fishermen that fish a lot catch more fish than those that don't fish at all. You're never going to win a soul to Christ unless you go fishing. I'm saying today, if someone leads a lot of people to Christ and you're on fire for the Lord, that won't make you envious of him or jealous of him or resentful of him. It'll bless your heart that souls are being saved. We ought to pray that our heart would be set on fire, that we'll have fire in our soul. The psalmist said, wilt thou not revive us again? that thy people may rejoice in thee. Yes, we all get discouraged. We all want to quit at times. Oh, maybe you don't, but most Christians do. If you're not doing anything, it's hard to quit. You know what I mean, Jelly Bean? But if you're doing something for God, you're going to get banged up and nicked up along the way, and you're going to feel like nobody, that, that's just not right. Why do I have to take that from these people when I'm trying to serve God? Jeremiah, of all preachers, he was the weeping prophet. His heart was into it. He loved God. He loved God's people and finally said, I've had enough. Preach these people, they never say amen, they can hardly stay awake, I'm tired. They just live the way they want to live, I quit. Well, he quit preaching, but the fire didn't go out. And it burned in him, it burned in him. Folks, you can't quit if you're on fire. And some of you have already quit. Oh, you're in church tonight, and for that we are grateful. But many of you haven't won a soul to Christ in months, some years. And sad to say, some have never led a soul to Christ. How can that be? Jesus said, follow me. And I, that's Jesus speaking. He's assuming the responsibility. All you have to do is follow me. If you follow me, I know you're introverted. I know you're shy. I know you don't feel well qualified. I know you think you don't know a lot about the Bible. I know all that. Quite frankly, I know you real well. But if you'll follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. Amen. If you are following Jesus and you're following close, there's going to be fire in your soul. And you can't help but tell others about Christ. 
If you're on fire for the Lord, you can't help but want to read this book. When I was in Bible college, Lori would write me letters from home, and oft times she would spray the envelope with the cologne that I liked on her. And I would get the letter at the box, mailbox, and run to class. And while the teacher was giving his introductory remarks, I'd be smelling that envelope, and I'd just go, oh, that's so good. My buddies down the row, I would just sort of, <laughs> and let that aroma drift down the row, and they give me all those kind of looks. I'd read the letter, and, oh, Bruce, I work today, and blah, 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 go through the routine of the day, and then it got to the good stuff. You know what I mean. I miss you. I really love you. I wish you were here with me. All that good stuff. Man, I, I want to tell you, after class, I read the same letter. Before I went to bed that night, I read the same letter. You know why? Because I love her. I read cards that she buys me. I keep cards that she buys me. Hallmark actually wrote it, but I... I feel like she called them up and told them what to write. And the messages in those cards mean something to me. Why? Because I love her. And if we're on fire for God, we can't help but want to read what he has to say to us. I'm saying to you tonight, we, we should pray for fire in our soul. A sermon may ignite a fire, but it's prayer that will kindle your heart. Ye have not because ye ask not. You need to ask God for fire in your soul tonight. Let me pick up the pace. Secondly, we need to pray for fault in myself. Many times we lack fire and we think it's ever somebody else's fault. You know what I'm talking about. Some people are actually miserable here tonight. You know I speak the truth. You're miserable right now. Some of you have been miserable for a few weeks. Some of you for a few months. Some of you have been miserable your whole life. And you're blaming it on your parents. You're blaming it on someone in the past. And you're excusing your personal responsibility. I'm not saying that we cannot be hurt and we cannot trip up over a stumbling block in our life. But it is... It is our responsibility to take that to the Lord. And quite frankly, we ought to be looking and asking God to search us to see if there's any wicked way in us. The good book says, Jesus said, why do you look at someone with a little speck in their eye and you got a huge beam in your own? More often than not, we are experts at examining others. The good book says to examine yourself. Check it out. Not a quick glance over. Check it out to see if you really are of the faith or not. You may be offended. Maybe it's your mate. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's the politicians in life. Maybe it's your boss or your neighbor. Quit looking at other people. Maybe you and I need to get down on our knees before God and say, Dear God, for me to be this miserable this long, search me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Because I want anything in my life that doesn't please you removed. 
you have emotional problems, anger, bitterness, hatred, lust, discouragement, if you have mental problems, you have bad thoughts and, and, and suicidal thoughts and hateful thoughts, if your will is corrupted by the world, you're choosing the wrong things in life, I'm suggesting tonight, maybe it's not everybody else, maybe it's you. That's why the Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Ask God to reveal the fault in yourself. The heart is the seat of your mind, will, and emotions. One man said, if you can remember a time when you were more on fire for God than you are right this minute, then you're likely backslidden. Jot that verse down, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I'm suggesting tonight you can pray and know with confidence that God will hear and answer that prayer. You ask God tonight, you ask him right there in your seat. God, what in me would you like to see changed? And I'm telling you, he will answer it that fast. Thirdly, thirdly, ask forgiveness for another person's sin. Forgive means to cancel a debt. Amnesty is a synonym, and it's the same word we get for amnesia. Forget it. Now, do we ever forget completely those that have wronged us? Only if you rack up a lot of good things after it. It takes time to take it out of your memory. But it takes moments to settle the debt. Are you with me? And I can help you get over it real quick. I have to practice it. Love your enemies. You say, well, it's my mate. <clears throat> okay, I'm, I know what you're saying. Your mate is not your enemy. Well, it's my kids. Well, you know, my kids aren't my enemy. No, but if they have offended you deeply enough to where you resent them, now you're treating them like an enemy. So put that principle into practice. Love them. You want to overcome it? Do good to them. That will change your feelings. Don't wait for your feelings to change because they're not going to probably for a long time. But if you want to just obey God and forgive one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us, then do something about it. Love them. And when you love somebody, your feelings will change. We need to forgive one another of their sins. Some people go through their entire Christian life circling a hurt or an offense, commending themselves that they are actually moving, but all they're doing is circling 
that hurt. You can be set free from that. You can move on. It's called forgiveness. And quite frankly, I don't know how we can go before the throne of grace and ask God to forgive us when we can't forgive others. Fourthly, ask God for faith in the Savior. If you consider every sin that you commit, you can trace it back to a lack of faith, a lack of belief in God's Word. And that's why God says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can do an awful lot of religious activity and say this is for God, but if it's without faith, it doesn't please Him. Sins of commission as well as sins of omission. We are to see our faith increased. I don't know about you, but I often feel like the man in Mark chapter 9. You remember the story. Remember the man in Mark chapter 9? He has a demon-possessed son. And he brings his son to the Lord Jesus. And he finally gets an audience with Jesus. And he says, Lord proper attitude. He's submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Lord, if thou would, you could heal my son. You talk about a humble spirit. He's acknowledging that God's will is more important than his will. He's acknowledging the fact that God is greater than the demons of hell. He's recognizing the fact that God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He can do anything he wants, and he cries out to God and says, If you would, you could heal my son. He throws himself in the fires. He cuts himself. He, he's completely under the influence of the demons. And the, what parent in this room would not have a heart for a parent that has a child that's literally demon-possessed, not just wasting their life, but filled with the demonic spirit. There isn't a mom and dad in this room that our hearts would not go out to a parent with a child such as that. But how did Jesus answer him? Do you remember? He saw a bigger problem than a demon-possessed son. What could be greater than a bigger problem than a demon-possessed son? Father that lacked faith. And he looked at that dad and he said, If thou canst believe, all things are possible. Do you remember his response? Yes, amen. Have you not cried out like that? Yes, amen. Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. All of our failures in life will come right back down to this lack of faith, lack of trusting God. How are we going to increase our faith? How are we going to have our faith increased? Well, there's only one way, class. The good book says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You just don't wake up and say, you know, I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. No, faith is germinated from the Word of God. 
That's why it's imperative that you and I were in God's Word. That's why we read it. That's why we study it. That's why we memorize it. That's why we meditate on it. Meditate simply meaning mumbling. We talk it out. We mumble it under our breath. You know, like somebody cuts you off on the highway. You moron, you idiot. You don't yell and scream it. Well, some of you might, but um, typically we mumble it. That's meditation. You're mumbling your thoughts. And God says you ought to meditate. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate. We're to talk out God's word. Mumbling it. Speaking it. And that's what will develop faith in our life. We should ask for faith in the, in the Savior. There is no shortcut in the Christian life. We are to be people of the Word of God. Back in the day, there were men in our churches that could open the Bible and teach the Scriptures as well as most modern preachers can today. Why? Because they weren't glued to the tube. They weren't in, addicted to entertainment and play and, and hobbies. They would take time to do their house chores and then they would study the Word of God. And I've heard businessmen in our church and just common blue-collar workers get up and teach Bible lessons. I'm thinking, wow, that's incredible. That's as good of it as a preacher would do. But they spend time in God's Word. And it's those kind of people that have great faith those kind of people that lead the church along with the pastor to do great things for God. I'm just saying, we should pray for faith in the Savior. And then let me give you another thought. Fifthly, we ought to pray for food in the sermon. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses, verses 2 through 4. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they, can I say, when church members will not endure sound doctrine. The word sound, what does that mean? Healthy. Did you arrive safe and sound? Healthy. There'll come a time when they won't endure healthy doctrine. But after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. We're living in that day where people don't like to hear, thus saith the Lord. That's too authoritative. We ought to broaden it out and there they redefine that word grace as if that gives us permission to explore things that are outside of the boundaries of God's word. I want to remind you tonight we ought to pray for food in the sermon. God forbid for a preacher to be dry as dust and dead in delivery and dull in detail and drained of doctrine. But if a preacher or a teacher or even a, just a normal church member stands before us and opens the Word of God and shares God's Word from us, every one of us have a responsibility to hear what the Spirit has to say. If you leave church and feel like you didn't get anything out of the service, that may be partially the preacher or the teacher's fault. But I've been in Roman Catholic churches for funerals, and we have a lot of Roman Catholics in Chicagoland. And quite frankly, I love Roman Catholics. 
63% of our church are converted Roman Catholics. And quite frankly, no offense to you in the South here, Roman Catholics make better Baptists than you Baptist raised Baptists. Because their whole life they've been working their way to heaven. And then they find out that Jesus did it all. They can take their foot off the gas pedal a little bit and they're still outwork you Baptists that were raised Baptist. Hallelujah. Because now they're serving Jesus because they love to, not because they have to. Hallelujah. I've been in Roman Catholic churches and you talk about great buildings and beautiful buildings and tremendous acoustics. Oh my word. And I go in there and the priest is reading his whatever and then he starts reading the scripture and reading John chapter 14. I didn't know they did that in a Roman Catholic church. They're reading John 14 and I'm welling up inside. And I'm thinking, wow, this is unbelievable. And then I can't hold it any longer. He gets down to verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. They sat it in the Roman Catholic Church, and I couldn't hold it. And I just said, amen. Well, you say amen in a Catholic church, it lasts. Whoa, 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 whoa. You want to hear from God? You can hear from God. You leave a church, especially a church such as this, and you don't get fed, you didn't come to get anything. Before you come into church, it blessed my heart last night to hear the prayers, the symphony of prayers last night. People hungering to hear the Word of God preached. Be with the men this morning praying. Want to hear the word. That, that should be for all of us, whether you're in this organized prayer meeting or not, on the way to church before you ever leave home. We ought to be crying out to God, God, I'm going to your house today. I love you. I want, I want to worship you with the body of Christ. And I want to hear from you today. Speak to me. Amen. We need food in this sermon. A few years ago, Lori and I had the opportunity to go to the Bahamas. And we went to a church there, and we were the only fair-skinned people in the audience. But I want to tell you, after three minutes, we didn't care if we were the only bald people in the audience. The Spirit of God was moving. Choir filled up. All these men, white shirts, red ties, reading their Bible. Nothing was said. No organ. And all we heard was the leader of the choir. Mm-hmm. Gave them their starting note. And they started singing the chorus. Yes, Lord, yes. They sang it softly. They sang it again, increasing the volume. They sang it again, increasing the volume. They begin to harmonize. I'm telling you what, I wasn't sure where we were going, but I knew I was going with them. 
I wanted to jump up in the choir. Then the leader stood up and he cried out to God. And it's as if God was in the room already. I'll never forget what he said. Father, you've already heard our answer. Speak to us. Whatever you tell us to do, our answer is yes. Lord, yes. We ought to pray for food in the sermon. When we come to the house of God, it ought to be, Lord, whatever you say to me tonight, I'm in. I'm all in. Sixthly, we ought to pray for fear in the sinner. Psalm 36, verse 1 says, The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. Psalm 33 says, Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. How can that be if a man comes into church, and I, uh, I said it this morning, when people come to our church, if they're unsaved, they may not believe what we believe. They might be uncomfortable with the music we sing, but they ought to be overwhelmed with the God that we serve. And we shouldn't apologize for the holiness of God. Quite frankly, all of us ought to stand in awe of His holiness. We ought to pray that when lost people come into the house of God, that there would be a reverential awe in this place, that they would recognize, yes, we have camaraderie in the sense that, yes, we're all sinners, but some of us are saved sinners. Many of us are saved sinners. We're not looking down. We're not condemning anyone. But the truth be known, we are humbled before the holy God. And there ought to be a holy hush in the hearts of men and women in our church. Then lastly, we ought to pray for the fallen in my sight. Oh, that we would see souls instead of just bodies. Think before you answer. How many in here believe that everybody has a soul? Would you raise your hand? Let me help you. That's what most people would say. But in truth, every soul has a body. We look at bodies. He's old, she's young. He's not so good looking. Obviously not looking at me when they say that. She's beautiful. He's tall. She's short. And we are making notations of the house that souls live in. We need to see every person as a soul that someday is going to lay this body down. But that doesn't end at all. They're going to spend eternity either in heaven or hell. And you and I, you want to see God answer your prayers? Start praying for lost souls. Ask God to lead you. We used to sing that song. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. Ask God to take it. There's... 
There's hundreds and thousands right in a short radius of this church. You could, you could start a Walmart ministry. You don't have to go around the world to be a missionary. Just go to Walmart. I mean, you'll see all kinds of people in Walmart. Man, I, someone said, doesn't it just tick you off when you go to Walmart and they don't, they don't have what you want and you got to go home and take a shower and get out of your pajamas so you can go to Target to get what you want. Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, you go to Walmart, you, uh, that's a mission field. And I suggested that a few years ago at our church. I, man, get with it. And you know, some of our people took, took me up on it. They have a Walmart ministry. I have guys that love to eat. They have a restaurant ministry. They're there out to eat, but they're there looking for people that they can witness to and invite to church. You'd be amazed at how many people will take a track, will take an invitation. Quit focusing on the few that keep saying, no, I don't want that. I'm going to throw it away. See, it doesn't pay to witness to people. But crying out loud, you go fishing, you fish for hours, and you finally catch Moby Dick. Same with fishing for men. Throw it out there. Pray, pray, pray for souls to be saved. Well, those are just seven basic things that I'm confident that if you pray, God will hear and answer that prayer. These are according to his will. And if you're not active in your prayer life, start tonight. If you can't do all seven, start with one. Pray for fire in your soul. Pray for fault in yourself, for sin in your life, not others. Pray for forgiveness of another person who offended you. Pray for faith in the Savior. Pray for food in the sermon. Pray for fear in the sinners that come to our services. Pray for the fallen in God's sight. And you'll start seeing God answer your prayers. And that'll give you encouragement to go up the next level in your prayer life. My house shall be called the house of singing. My house shall be called the house of preaching. My house shall be called the house of prayer. Amen. We can't pray too much. We can't pray too often. But we can pray amiss. And so tonight I've given you seven basic requests that you can and should ask God for. And he will hear and answer your prayer. You say, well, I've prayed for some of those and hasn't happened. Then read Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. That'll answer that question. You don't want to read it right now. But that'll help you. Those are areas tonight where we can pray. So let's stand together. And as you're standing, think of these questions I'm going to ask. How many in here tonight say, I know I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not boasting. I'm not bragging. I'm just testifying that God has saved me from my sin. Would you slip up your hand as a testimony? Unashamedly, I am saved by the blood of Christ. Very good. 
Is there anyone here tonight, like this morning, you'd say, if I were to die right now, I don't know for certain that I'd go to heaven, but I'd like to know. Is there anyone here tonight that I could pray for you? You'd say, preacher, pray for me. I don't know that I'm on my way to heaven, but I'd like to know. Would you slip up your hand? God bless you. Now, church, with your heads bowed, would you commence praying for at least the first and the last? Would you pray that God would set your soul on fire? Would you pray for sinners to be saved? The fallen in His sight? Would you start praying tonight that souls would be saved? To have a gathering this large with this many people and not one lost soul here tonight? Help us. Help us, Father, to go into the highways, byways, compel them to come in. Help us, God, to be a witness. Father, done the best I can. These are precious people. Father, I pray that you bless the teaching of your word tonight. May it be a source of encouragement, food for the soul. And I pray that tonight we would leave with a fire in our bosom. Help us, O oh God, to win the lost. Do our part to share the gospel. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.